Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. Amen. I start mentioning birthdays. I get myself in trouble because sometimes I don't know of everybody's birthday. But happy birthday, Jack, again. We love you, buddy. Amen. You're a blessing to not just us here at, at Heritage, but how you serve our father at the foundry. And um, some of y'all don't know that. Jackie's a big deal at the foundry. Amen. He is the, uh, the men's program director there. And uh, also, uh, he and his beautiful wife, Brittany, uh, have a ministry called World Exit Ministries that um, helping a lot of people. And so uh, we love you, buddy. Happy birthday. And it's an honor. Um, to have you a part of this family of faith. Praise God. All right, so Matthew chapter 22, and let's look at verse number 15. I'll tell you what, let's, let's for sake of time, let's go to verse 20. Matthew chapter 22, verse 20. I'll put it up on the screen. And he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God, the things that are God's. Now, the background of this is the religious leaders were trying to trick Jesus into misspeaking, into saying something that they could use to accuse him or get him to say something uh, basically against the Roman Empire that they could then use as ammunition, so to speak, to get Rome uh, to come against Jesus. And so they were asking him if it was lawful for God's people to pay taxes to Rome. And Jesus says, somebody hand me one of the coins. And they handed him a coin and he held up the coin and he asked him a simple question. He said, whose image is on this coin and whose inscription, whose writing is on this coin? And they said, well, Caesar's image is there and his inscription, his writing is there. And so Jesus says, So render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but render unto God what belongs to God. Now, there was another situation where Jesus rebuked the religious leaders, and I just want to pull it up on the table this morning as we continue um, to help bring, I guess, some clarification to uh, what we're going to be talking about today. And that is, if you remember... Jesus told them that they could look at the sky and get some idea of what the weather was going to be for that day. That they could look at the cloud formations or the colors of the clouds or how the sun was penetrating through the clouds. They didn't have radar and Fox 6 and all that stuff like we have today. But they still had rudimentary ways of predicting the weather based upon what they were seeing based upon what they were uh, witnessing. And yet Jesus said, you can look at the sky and predict the weather, but you don't have the ability to look at the Word of God and understand or recognize spiritual things. So with that backdrop this morning, Jesus was saying to this group when He held up that coin the image and the inscription determines what is to be rendered. In other words, based upon what image something bears and what's written upon it, right? Because he didn't just say, render unto Caesar. I pointed this out last week, I'll mention it again this morning. A lot of people use that expression, render unto Caesar, when they begrudgingly pay taxes without ever understanding that they're actually quoting something from the Bible. 
And part of the reason for that is they only say render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but never finish what Jesus said. Jesus said we must also render unto God what belongs to God. Now, this word render here, let's, um, let's unpack it here for a moment, praise God. This word render means to give or surrender to Caesar what Caesar desires, what Caesar expects, and ultimately what Caesar demands. This word render also carries with it the idea of an obligation. It carries with it the idea of an obligation. So using the physical uh, example that Jesus gave as a template to drag it over on top of our lives, because remember, whose image do you bear? And whose inscription is upon you? You bear the image of your Creator. You bear the image of God. So what does that say then about your expectations or the expectations for you from God, the desires for you from God, the demands for you from God, what your creation demands, being created in God's image and likeness, and even what, what obligations now you bear because you were created in the image and likeness of God. Now, I know I just kind of gave you an overview of a bunch of things. Let's, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. We'll come back and fill in some of these blanks. Now, the coin that Jesus held that afternoon, it bore a specific image, and it, and it contained a specific inscription that clearly identified and revealed several key things. We also bear an image and inscription that speaks to the same things concerning our existence. Now, it's easy to lose sight of, but the coin that Jesus held in His hand represented an economy, or we could simplify it by saying a system that they were all part of and benefited from. The coin represented a system, an economy, that they were all part of and benefited from. Now, I'm not here to try to get you excited about paying taxes this morning to the, to the local governments or to the state governments or to the federal governments. But if you've ever been in a developing country that had poor to non-existing roads, you will appreciate or you would appreciate more the nicer roads that we traveled upon to get to church this morning. And whether you've, whether you've ever put one and two together, the tax dollars that you pay when you buy something or if your, your income, that sort of thing, that goes to help build and maintain those roads. Somebody besides Mark McClellan say amen to that, please. In other words, we're in a system that we pay taxes into, but whether we ever connect the dots or not, we actually benefit from that system. Now, is there waste in government? Amen. Don't be so judgmental, but I would say yes. Amen. I'm not here to try to, again, defend or, or, or propose anything. I'm just saying that it's a system that they were involved in. In other words, they paid those taxes 
Our, our, our tax dollars go to pay the salaries of first responders, our police officers, our firemen, our paramedics. Thank God for them. If you've ever had to use their services, I guarantee you, you were glad they were on the other end of the line when you called 911. So again, when Jesus held up that tax money, it was representing an economy and a system that they were all part of, that they all paid into, but that they all also benefited from, received some kind of services, products, or support from that system. Now, I also want to point out to you as we unravel this this morning, is that the coin was not just a random piece of metal with a random image and inscription, but it was a specific piece of metal with a specific image and a specific inscription. In other words, that coin was created and issued to serve a specific purpose. A specific purpose that Jesus said you could tell a whole lot about by simply looking at the image and inscription upon it. I'm offering to you this morning that if you would just simply pause long enough to consider whose image you bear and whose inscription is upon you, it will go a long way to help you understand the system you're connected to, the economy you're a part of, the obligations, but also the benefits that are associated, that are revealed, if you will, by simply looking in a mirror and understanding that you bear the image of your Creator and His imprint or, or His inscription is upon your life. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The image and inscription on the coin instantly identified the system it belonged to and its value or worth in that system. I guess it's just kind of part of it. I don't know, but uh, John, Mark, and Bethany, they've been on uh, different missions trips, and they brought back uh, currency, coins, even some paper money, from the different places that they you know, traveled to. I did the same when I went to Kenya. But you can't take coins from uh, Peru and, and, and spend them at the 7-Eleven up the store, the Chevron station up the store. Because the coins that are accepted in our economy bear, we don't, we don't have a Caesar. You know, they, you know, Washington, Lincoln, you know, famous presidents, what have you, important people. That's the, that's the image that's on our money here. And then each piece of that money that we have here, it, it has certain, certain markings on it that identify it as money to be used in this specific particular economy. So if you, if you bring something in that has a different foreign image or inscription, it won't work in this economy. It has value in the economy it was created and issued for, but it does not have value in this economy. You have to exchange it. Are you with me still? So the image and inscription on the coin instantly identified the system it belonged to, but it wasn't just that it had Caesar's picture on that coin. It also had a value inscribed on that coin. So the, the inscription and image 
instantly identified two basic things. The system it belonged to and the value that it had in that system. Now, we're, we're going somewhere. Are you, seeing, are you going with me? Are you seeing any of this with me? Praise God. So the image tells you where the coin came from and the economy it was designed for, but the inscription tells you its value or its importance, its purpose, its worth in that economy. So now let's take the template and bring it back over to you and to me. Because one of the great problems that we have in the body of Christ today is that people have such a poor self-image, such a low self-esteem, such a poor understanding of their real worth and value. Are you hearing me? It's, it's one of the things that plagues us, this concept of unworthiness. And, and so, so many people, even when they begin to pray, they lead with their unworthiness. They, they feel so compelled to tell God how unworthy, how pitiful, how unvaluable, and how worthless they are to Him. And this morning, I, I want to help you with that because do you realize you're telling the one who created you in his image and put his inscription on you to identify your worth and value uh, by him, amen, you're telling him how worthless you are. You're telling the one who paid such a high price for you that you're worthless. You're in essence telling him that he didn't know what he was doing when the price for you was Jesus and he gladly paid that price. You are not worthless. You are not uh, without value this morning. But you are, the Bible says, a precious treasure unto God. A very valuable uh, treasure to Him. The inscription tells you the value placed upon that coin. All right, so you understand what I mean like that? You can, you can have, uh, you know, green paper money from the United States of America that has the numeral one on it. But you can also have a piece of green paper money from the United States of America that has the numeral one and then two zeros. The inscription of the one means its value is one dollar, but the, the same size, the same coloration, that, that sort of thing, even like if you're blindfolded and just felt of them, you couldn't tell the one from the 100. But the inscription on it, on the 100, tells you that the 100, because of its inscription, is worth 100 times the one that's only inscribed with the numeral one. Are you seeing this? So what's inscribed on the coin gives us the understanding of its value, or we could say its worth. Now, in the Roman economy, who determined the value of the coin? Caesar, the one who created and issued the coin, he's the one who determined the value of that coin and it was determined by the inscription that he placed upon that coin. Yes? Now, who then stood behind 
the inscribed value of the coin that Jesus held in His hand. Caesar, or we could actually say that the entire Roman government, the entire Roman empire stood behind that little tiny coin that Jesus held in its hand because that government, that Caesar, had issued that coin, put Caesar's image on that coin, ascribed the value and worth of that coin, and when Jesus held that coin up, He was saying to them, look, this, let me, I don't want to go too deeply into this, but you understand, like, a hundred dollars is really just a piece of paper. But the reason you can go spend it and somebody will give you $100 worth of merchandise for that $100 bill is because it has something on there called the United States of America and, and the Treasury of the US, USA. Are you following what I'm saying? In other words, what, what that $100 is telling that person you're buying something uh, from for 100 bucks is that the United States of America is standing behind this $100 bill and making good on it. Are you seeing that? So when Jesus held up that coin and asked whose image and whose inscription, it was Caesar's image. It was Caesar's inscription. He created that coin. He had that coin issued. And because he did that and determined the value of that coin, that, 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 that coin's value inscribed upon it was backed by Caesar himself. It was backed by the Roman government itself. So, some of you in this room hold currency from other nations that has been tremendously devalued. And there have been instances in history when currencies from nations became almost worthless. You, you could buy millions of dollars of their currency for just a couple of dollars of hours. That may be an exaggeration, but you got the picture. And people do that as, as an investment, believing that the economy of that nation is going to increase again, and that one day those uh, dollars will have a, a higher monetary value. There was a brother in the church who gave, uh, I forget the exact number, but he gave a few million uh, Iraqi dollars. Their currency is one that, that, you know, all that happened over there. It, it bottomed out. So because the government, you know, that stood behind the money was not so strong. Are you hearing me? The money had very little worth. And so he bought it in faith, believing, gave it to the church that the Iraqi government and economy is going to be strong again. And when it's strong, it, when it's strong again, then the return on that. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Am I, am I boring you with this? I'm not trying to bore you. I'm trying to show you something. So the the inscription and the image on the coin that Jesus held there used to be a time in this country where the coin was actually gold the coin was actually silver not anymore right now it's paper money now it's it's uh, different metals that that you know but the idea is that you could take this money and go buy some gold with it. You could go swap it for gold, yes? So when Jesus held the coin, it's not that the actual stuff the coin was made of, that's not what actually determined its value. 
I want you to so see this. It, it's, it's, it wasn't that, well, you know, we go trade this in, melt this down for silver. No, it, it could have been a worthless piece of metal otherwise. But because it had image and inscription of Caesar on it, then the actual value of the metal could have been less than a penny. But if Caesar said, that coin's worth a hundred dollars, then that coin's worth a hundred dollars. Says who? Says Caesar. Yes? Says Caesar. Now some of you are already ahead of me, and that's fine. But let's all get there together. Because we bear God's image, and we bear His inscription, He is the one who stands behind our value. He is the one who determines what you're worth. He is the one who says, this is the value, this is the worth, this is the purpose, this is the meaning that I ascribe. Who says? God says. Why does God get to say that? Because He created you and issued you. But it goes even further. You bear His image and you bear His inscription. Alright? You bear His image and you bear His inscription. Let me just review right quick and we're going to push it a little further and then we'll be through for this morning. You good? So the coin bore the image of the one who created and issued it to serve the purpose of the one who created and issued it was backed by the one who created and issued it and then finally was a medium of exchange for the one who created and issued it. So the last thing I want us to look at this morning is that when Jesus held up that coin and asked whose image and inscription is on this, he was holding up something that was a medium of exchange within a specific economy. Now let me try just again, you didn't come to you know, economics class this morning, you came to Bible class, but let me let me just try to explain one so we can better understand the other. When you go and work for money, you then take that money and buy things like food and electricity and gasoline for your car and that sort of thing. There was a time in the early days of economies to where labor was the only medium of exchange. In other words, um, <clears throat> thank God, you know, we don't live in those days anymore, but people would pay the preacher by bringing him a chicken. And if they liked him, they would actually cook the chicken for him. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying? Because, again, <clears throat> there were people who raised chickens but needed a preacher, and a preacher who spent his time preaching but didn't raise chickens, and so they worked things out like that, right? 
So it would be like if you needed a tank of gas and you go to, 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 to Miss Campbell, you know, about to open up back up across the street here, and you're like, Miss Campbell, I need, some, I need some gas, so can I cut your grass in exchange for some gas? In other words, that would be a medium of exchange. <clears throat> Instead, you may have a landscape company now. People pay you money, and then you take your money and you go exchange it for gas from Miss Campbell. Are you, are you following? It's a medium of, of exchange. It's a medium of exchange. So the coin represented an accepted medium of exchange within a specific economy. Render unto Caesar the medium of exchange that belongs to Caesar, but render unto God the medium of exchange that belongs to God. Jesus is comparing your life and the purpose for your life and the value of your life determined by the image and inscription you bear to the value and purpose of that coin based upon the image and inscription it bore. So if that coin was a medium of exchange, Jesus is saying to you and me this morning that we are the medium of exchange for the economy that we represent, the economy that you and I are a part of. Father created you with His image. Father created you with His inscription so that you could become His medium of exchange in the earth. So that He could do business with you. Are you following this this morning? So that He could do business with you. What did Jesus say? I must be about my Father's business. He wasn't talking about making financial investments. He wasn't, Lord, if, if, uh, if the owner of a, of, a, of, a, um, of a vineyard said, I gotta be about my dad's business, what he may mean by that is, I need to go buy some more grapevines, or I need to go find a buyer for this year's harvest of grapes, or I may need to go and see if I can hire a, a, a new superintendent to oversee uh, the, 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 in other words, if someone was speaking of physical business and said, I must be about my father's business, we would understand what that means. When Jesus said, I must be about my father's business, he wasn't going to buy property to build a physical building for his ministry headquarters. That's not what he meant. When he said, I must be about my father's business, what was he doing? What was his business? What was father's business that he was about? He was like laying his hands on the sick and sick were recovering. He was casting out devils. He was feeding people with a little bit of food. He was, are you following? He was, he was teaching people the wisdom of God and the ways of God, he became the means by which Father's business was being carried out on planet earth. Jesus was that medium of exchange in, in that, that transaction of business that God was dealing with here on planet earth. Are you following me? All right, so let me just, we're not going to turn to each of these verses, but each one of these is a verse that's either quoted directly or paraphrased. So listen to me very carefully. Jesus said this. He said, love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. Are you still with me tonight? This morning, what is it? Tonight, today, what is it? Amen. Love one another, not the best you can do. He didn't say love one another the best you can. He said love one another the best I can. 
He didn't say try to get along. He said love one another as I have loved you. Why is that? Well, if you read your Bible carefully, you'll see that he's written his love. He's inscribed his love on your heart. The Holy Spirit now is in your heart pouring out the love of God, giving you and me the ability to love people as Jesus has loved us so that we now become that medium of exchange to where we can love somebody and when we get done loving them, it'll be no different than if God had loved them directly Himself. Jesus said, again, He created you to be His medium of exchange on, in the earth. He said, you will lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Father's business. It's time for our hands to be about Father's business. Father's in the healing sick folk business. He's in the setting the captive free business. Right? And he said that when you take authority over demonic spirits, they must obey you. Why are they, they going to obey you? Because of whose image and inscription you bear. It's not just you out there getting mad at a devil. It's you represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He backs you. Whatever you bind on earth, having already been bound in heaven, will now be bound on earth. Whatever you release on earth, having already been released in heaven, will be released on earth. A medium of exchange. Are you seeing this? How about this one? Come on now. Oh, Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit. Give us the revelation and the understanding of this simple statement right here. Jesus said this. Are you ready? Whoever receives you receives me. Oh, you didn't get that. Whoever receives you receives me. I am so excited about the things we're going to be talking about as we close out 2018. Just to give you a little, little clue here, I have an ever-growing file of notes and it's just simply entitled this, Oneness, Oneness. Amen. I thought we'd already be in the middle of it. I am chomping at the bit to get to it. Amen. Holy Spirit, show me. We've got we to lay some foundation first or, or it's not going to stick. And I want it to stick when we get there, so we're laying some foundation first. Okay, everybody still with me? Everybody, everybody getting some foundation? All right. The Bible clearly teaches that you've been made one with God if you're born again. You were created by God to be made one with Him, and through the new birth you have become one with Him. So we did this a couple of Sunday nights ago, okay? I'll do it again. It's not that you and God are like this, and if you're listening by audio, I'm holding up two fingers closely sandwiched together. 
Sometimes when we're close to somebody, we say, man, me and Matthew, we're just like this. Okay? No. No, you and God are not just like this. You and God are just like this. You're just like this. Okay? All right, come on now. Get your finger up. Come on, get your finger up. Say it with me. Me and God, we're just like this. We're one. Amen. One. Praise God. Now, this is why Jesus said, whoever receives you receives me. Because you're one. Whoever rejects you rejects me. Another place he said, whoever rejects you rejects me and the Father who sent me. Why? Because Jesus and the Father are one, and now we've been made one with Jesus and the Father. For them to receive you is for them to receive Jesus and the Father. For them to reject you is to reject Jesus and the Father. When the Lord Jesus Christ got the... He's now the Apostle Paul, but in those days they called him Saul. When he got his attention on the road to Damascus, he said, Why are you persecuting me? Jesus was in heaven sitting on the throne. Paul was persecuting members of the body of Christ. Jesus didn't say, why are you persecuting my disciples? Why are you persecuting my followers? Why are you persecuting them people who are trying to believe what I told? No, he said, why are you persecuting me, son? I put the son part in there. It wasn't a son yet. Why are you persecuting me? How about this? Whoever blesses you, I will bless. How about this? Whatever you ask in my name will be done for you. Again, Father created you with His image and inscription so you could become His medium of exchange in the earth so that He could use you to do business in the earth. Jesus taught us to pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One more. Jesus said, if you have done it for the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Wow. Singers and musicians, come on, please. So, render to God what He desires, what He expects, and what your creation in His image and likeness demands. Our level of creation, our place in creation... And ultimately, our place in the heart of God all carry with them certain demands and obligations. Certain demands and obligations. When we talk about an obligation, we tend to think of something 
in writing. We think of some kind of agreement that we entered into, some kind of contract that we signed, some kind of system that we're a part of. Listen to me, please. I am by all means talking about obligations and I am talking about things that are written. But not on pen and not on paper with pen and ink. Are you hearing me? I'm talking about what Father has written on your heart. Let me, let me try to say it this way. There are certain standards of behavior on planet Earth that are universally acceptable and that are universally, let's just say, wrong or unacceptable. Am I right about this? There's different, you know, religions. There's, there's different versions of morality. People have had their conscience seared with a hot iron. But I'm talking about things like betrayal. I mean, you, you, you could be in some tribe in the dark regions of some continent that seemingly have no morals, but it's never right for one warrior to abandon another one on the battlefield. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? This is what I'm saying. Why is that? It's because it's written, but not on paper. It's written in. It's, it's, it's written upon us. Maybe I should have left this untackled for now. I'm tackling too much. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There, there are things that are what they are because of our origin. That's true of everyone. But the Bible says that when we enter into this new covenant with God, He then writes His Word on our hearts. Amen? Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You get anything out of this? Whose image? Whose inscription? Whose image were you created in? I've never seen God, but I've seen... His likeness, I guess, every day of my life. I've never, I've, I've never lived a single day on planet Earth, I guess, without seeing another human being. And, and that means I have seen people in, created in His likeness. Are you following what I'm saying? We so take that for granted, folks. Please hear me. We, we so think that's like no big deal. Man, I'm telling you. By virtue of the fact that you were created in His image and likeness with His inscription. That ought to tell you right there. You were created for something higher than sin. You were created for something higher than trying to satisfy your own lusts. You were created for something more than making up your life as you go along. Amen. Bow with me. Let's pray. Father, thank you. This morning, for every person in this room, thank you, Father, for the things that you're saying to us. And Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit who's helping us grab hold of these things and make them our own, understand and apply them to our own lives. Father, I pray for that one that's here this morning that because of mistakes that they've made or because of 
ways that they were raised, Father, that they just feel so poorly about themselves. They have such a low image of themselves, such a poor self-image, self-worth. Father, I I thank you, Lord, today that it's coming alive inside of them, that you're their creator. And you imprinted each one of us, Father, with your image. And then you inscribed upon us our worth and our value. Father, that if we'll let you, you'll back us. If we'll let you, you'll stand behind us. If if we'll let you, you'll be the one that even brings the words we speak out of our mouths to pass. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. I'm interested to know this morning if there's any person present that's never received this free gift of salvation, this free gift of no condemnation. The Bible says that Jesus was born of a virgin and lived a sinless life. Not because he sinned, but the Bible says because of our sin. He became our sin was sentenced and punished to death, died on a cross, took his lifeless body down from that cross. He was buried in a, in a, in a tomb. He went to death, hell, and the grave again as our substitute. He was raised from the dead on the third day. Returned back to the right hand of his father with a promise that he would one day return to this earth to collect those who were his. It's the simplest way I know how to tell you this powerful, powerful gospel story. The question this morning is this. Have you received for yourself what Jesus has already done for you as your substitute? And the answer is very simple. It's either yes, I have, Pastor Mark, or no, I haven't. If you're here this morning and you would say no, I've never received that for myself, but I would like to this morning. Could I see your hand? Anybody? Never received it for myself but would like to this morning. Anybody? Anybody? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. I just sense in my spirit that there's somebody here. It's okay if you're not coming now, but if you'd like to come find me here in a few minutes after we end the service, I'll be happy to talk with you further about this and even lead you in prayer if you'd like to pray. This morning before we're dismissed, I want us to sing together, give the moment, give the Holy Spirit a moment just to take what we've been hearing and, and, and just settle it in our hearts. If you'd like for someone to pray with you, maybe you're struggling with something in, physically in your body, you need physical healing. <clears throat> Whatever the case, we'd be happy to pray with you this morning. But let's sing this before we're dismissed.